you didn't get the memo, we have one service today, and it is a little louder in here. That's exciting, yeah. So we are going to ask you uh, if you have space in your pews to make a little room. Some of you I know are end cappers. You are the end cap. You are controlling the end of the pew. Then just stand up and let others scoot by. That's fine too. So, but if you don't mind scooting in, making space so others can come in, those who are you know, learning to wake up a little earlier, their 1030 crowd, uh, thank you for making it in here at 9 o'clock. We did give you a few extra minutes before starting service this morning, but we're so excited to be together worshiping. We're going to do a, a worship set, a fuller worship set on the front end this morning. We're going to do three songs together, worshiping the Lord through song, and then uh, following that, I'll be back up to do a few announcements. So I invite you to stand and uh, as, you, as you're able if, and uh, just join with us in worshiping God through song.
idols, I'll stand strong and worship you. And if it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice with you're there too. I won't be formed by feelings, I hold fast to what is true. If the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you. Cause death is just a doorway into resurrection life. And if I join you in your suffering, then I'll join you when you rise. And when you return in glory with all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing. My song will be the same. Oh, Christ be magnified. Let His praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me.
so much for the great things indeed that you have done. As we reflect back on 2022, certainly there have been hard things as well, but we praise you for the great things that you have done in our lives this past year and certainly throughout history, sending your son to live that perfect life and to die in our place. We thank you that we can come together and worship you freely in this country and we can gather and hear your word proclaimed with no fear of, of being attacked or anything like that, God, that we trust that you are uh, glorified this morning as we gather as your church, together with brothers and sisters in Christ around the area, here locally and around the world. pray in Jesus' name, amen. Before you have a seat, I encourage you to greet those around you. Maybe there's someone you haven't met before. Introduce yourself and say a little hello. Well, welcome to Maranatha. I'm Pastor Tony, one of the pastors here, and just want to greet all of you this morning. If you're visiting with us, thank you for joining us. Um, As most of you do know, uh, because you're here, uh, we are combining for a season. And some of you are like, I hope it's a short season because I'm not used to someone being so close to me, all right? So for some of you, it's going to be a stretch for a little bit, okay? So we challenge you, encourage you to maybe... 
Um, bear with it if you're not used to having uh, someone bump into your elbow next to you, but we do hope and pray that this is a season for our church family where people can get to know each other that haven't gotten to know each other, where relationships can go deeper, um, and it's just wonderful to just uh, the side benefits of it's a lot louder as we worship together this morning, and that just brings joy to my heart. So we're so glad that you're embarking with us, joining with us in this journey for this season. Uh, a couple of announcements I want to highlight. Actually, we have a handful this morning and through all this transition. So following service, our 9 o'clock service here, um, there's going to be our normal fellowship time in the, in, the fellowship, uh, in the fellowship hall. But as you may imagine, it might be kind of full. So please don't just scoot out. Um, those who are joining for an adult uh, discipleship group in the other building, we'd encourage you to consider grabbing and going. You can grab your donut and your coffee or whatever, and you can head on right over to the other, other building, and you can have your fellowship time over there if that works for you. Obviously, we're not requiring anyone to do that, but that's an option. That's an encouragement. And those who are um, hanging out here, those who are going to be doing their adult discipleship group here, um, you know, and welcome to stay in the fellowship hall. But again, do, do as you need to do, and we know that not all of you are, are joining us for the adult discipleship groups. If you don't know what that is, um, that's something that's being launched today. We have four of them that are being offered. Um, so in addition to uh, Kids Sunday School and Youth Sunday School resuming, which we maybe are going to be even calling them our, our kids and youth discipleship groups uh, because we're focused on making disciples who make more disciples. But um, those are resuming today, but also then four options for adults. And the locations then for those, uh, Pastor Cody's How to Study the Bible, that group is going to happen in the back expansion area. So um, that'll be in here. The other three will be in the other building. And so uh, the worldview study that uh, my wife Michelle Nord is going to be facilitating, that's going to be in the soul garage, in the main teaching area of the soul garage. Um, so you, you get a few steps in if you want to get all the way over to there. Um, and then the Colossian study is in the soul garage cafe. The Acts study is in the gathering place or the gym area. So again, those three groups, if you're a part of one of those today, we encourage you to grab and go for the fellowship time. We do have a, a skating, and again, if you didn't sign up in advance, don't worry about it, just show up. And if you can't show up every week, that's okay. These are designed to be, I mean, obviously if you can be a part of it every week, that's, you're going to get more out of it, um, both relationally and getting to know others, but also in the content that's going to be covered. Um, but uh, feel free, if, you, if your schedule is one where you can't make it every week, we'd love for you to participate as much as you can. Uh, skating party happening January 22nd from 5 to 7.30 p.m. That is free. Uh, there's food that's going to be a part of that. Skating that's going to be a part of that. Uh, maybe laughing at others who are skating can be a part of that too. Uh, so even if you don't plan to come and skate, uh, we'd love for you to come and join if you're able to that evening at Skate City just kind of across the street there. And then we do have a Valentine's banquet, a Valentine's couples banquet that is coming up February 12th. That's a Sunday evening from 4 to 7 p.m. here at the church. It's going to be $40 per couple. You can register online through our website, maranathafree.com. Um, right now, I think it's the third banner that scrolls across. You've got to wait for just a little bit, so be patient. Go to the website. There's a couple banners that will scroll across the top, and then you can just click on the one that says... Uh, couple's Valentine's dinner, and then you can register through that. Uh, again, it's $40 per couple. Uh, we have some guest speakers that are coming, Bob and Carol Lenz, and so uh, that'll be a, a great time. Uh, there's, I think some more of the details will be on the registration as well, but we are offering uh, child care as a part of that, um, and so if you are 
Uh, I announced this on Wednesday night to the youth, but if you are a teen and you would like to help with childcare or help with food, let me know, um, and I can get you connected with those who are facilitating those. Um, we did have nine or ten youth that, that volunteered last Wednesday, so um, you will be contacted, and uh, we appreciate the help with that. Um, Districts is happening next weekend. That's our youth event, so um, there'll be a little more space because about 50, 40, 40 of us will be gone for that. Um, so be, uh, we do appreciate your prayers for that um, as we head off to Green Bay for our annual district youth conference. And uh, um, there will be no youth Sunday school uh, next week, but everything else, the kids' Sunday school and everything else is normal with the adult discipleship groups. Um, and then the last announcement, um, I believe, is that... Uh, the week of Christmas, uh, the elders uh, sent out an email to members. So if you are a member, if you've gone through the membership process, part of that uh, both responsibility and privilege that you have as a member of Maranatha is to be active as a part of voting on things that we need to vote on. And so there's some proposed amendments that we're making to the bylaws, um, and those were sent out. If you have any questions about those, please contact one of the elders. And I'd have to ask um, the elders who are here, if you could just stand up for just a moment, raise your hand, just so um, people can see any of the elders that are, um, if you have a question about any of those, please feel free to contact one of the elders. Uh, we would love to try to answer any of those questions prior to the January 29th meeting, where we'll be um, voting on, on some of those proposed changes to the amendments. All right, so thank you. Um, if you do have any, any questions, um, please, please take advantage of that. And again, it will be, like I said, it will be full, so please uh, do make a habit, if you can, of trying to fill in space in the pews so people who are scooting in a little bit late can find a seat as well. With that, oh, I, um, just a, a reminder as well, if, you have, if you're new, if you're visiting with us, we'd love to have you fill out one of these little yellow sheets with your information, um, but also if you're a regular attender, a member, if you have prayer requests or a change of address or anything like that, you can use those. Drop them in the offering box, which is in the back, um, in the middle, in between those doors um, on your way out. Um, and then just also a welcome to those who are joining us online. We know that there are people every week who join us by watching online. Uh, we'd love to have you join us in person if you're able, but we're so glad that you're able to join us online, and we pray that you're blessed through um, joining with us today as well. So I invite Pastor Cody to come. Oh, I know I had a lot of announcements. I was going to forget them. So, well, it's kind of a resumed thing. Um, years past, we had an activity bag sort of thing for kids. So, adults, I know you might be tempted. It looks fun, but this is, I think there's, what's the age, Pastor Aaron? One to four is what it says on the sign there. So ages one to four, just a little something to help them. It may be a little louder in here, and that's okay. We, we love having families worshiping together, kids joining with their parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles. So, But feel free to grab one of these. Take advantage of that if you've got kids in that age range to, to help them uh, stay uh, engaged with, with something during the service as well. Thank you, Pastor Tony. Good morning, everyone. All right, let's get right into it. Grab your Bibles. We're in Mark chapter 10. So if you've got a Bible, we encourage you to bring Bibles to church. And if you don't have a Bible, if you forgot it, it's in the car or something, there's a Bible in front of you there. And if you're in the front row, look at these front row people. Awesome. There's a Bible underneath your seat. Did you know that? There's hidden things underneath there. We are in our series with Christ in the School of Discipleship. With Christ in the School of Discipleship, we're in Mark chapter 10. Again, the first part of Mark, Mark 1 through 7, talked a lot about Messiahship. Now, chapter 8, there was this turn talking more about discipleship. 
Do you know that we live in a sick world? Power, greed, self-obsession, self-importance, lack of empathy. Maybe you're thinking even of your workplace, right? Or maybe you're thinking of politicians. Arrogant, cruel, controlling people. And sadly, we see this in leadership. I had a friend a couple years ago as we during the pandemic and just all the, the stuff that's happening in, in America with politics and stuff, and they were like, oh, it's a wicked generation. And I said, yes. But I said, it's another wicked generation. Because Jesus dealt with people who harbored the same attitude that we see around us today. Some of those words, power, greed, self-interest, grows all about you as we go through this little mini-series, the, the Way of the Master. One of the greatest books outside of the Bible that I've ever read that has shaped my life is this book right here. Spiritual Leadership. In fact, I've got four copies in my office because whenever I go to thrift stores, I see them, I buy them all up and hand them out. It should be, in fact, I'm sure the author... Mr. Sanders here wanted it to be titled Spiritual Servanthood, but no one would have bought it. So they put leadership because everyone wants to be a leader. Listen to this out of this book here. True greatness, true leadership is found in giving yourself in service to others. Not coaxing or inducing others to serve you. True service is never without cost. It often comes with painful baptism of suffering. But the true spiritual leader is focused on the service she and he can render to God and other people. Not on the residual perks of high office and holy trite. We must aim to put more into life than what we take out. Spiritual leadership. Or J.C. Ryle says this, it costs something to be a true Christian. Never forget that. Okay, here it is. To be a mere nominal Christian and go to church is cheap and easy work. But to hear the voice of Christ, to follow Christ, to believe Christ, to confess Christ, requires much self-denial. Where Paul Tripp says this, the development of spiritual maturity is a move from independence to great dependence on God. Exposing our delusion of self-sufficiency is a painful thing, but a good thing. So here's what I want you to do today. I'm excited to see first and second service together. You're like, wow, who are these new people here? And uh, you don't, don't, you know, you can do this. But don't go up and go, hey, are you new to church? And like, well, I'm in second service. Oh, okay. So here's what I want you to do: turn to your neighbor, start with a family member, and say, "This sermon is for me." So do that right now. <clears throat> Okay. 
Because a lot of times when we talk about some of these sermons that are convicting, we're exposing some of the problems we have. You might be going, oh, this sermon's for you, buddy. Oh, you need this soap. Oh, praise God, Pastor Cody. My husband needed this for years. Today, this sermon's for me. Especially if you're in a position of power and influence, this sermon is for you and I. I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but there are some of you that are in leadership positions. Maybe that's at work. Maybe that's in your home. Maybe that's in, in the sphere of influence that you have. You have kind of a role. You have people under you. This sermon's for you. And l- let me just say a little side note here, which i got to say, I've been thinking and praying about this. I'm like, i got, I got to expose this too because these, these next couple weeks are going to be tough. There are some of you in this room that think you're super Christians. I got it all taken care of. I know what discipleship is about. My family is the model of discipleship. And you got, I've got this down. Oh, yeah, that day, okay, this is for me, but I'll learn some things. Let, let me just be frank here. The arrogance of some of us Christians who have been Christian more than 10 years is dangerous. And I'll, I'll be very honest. The churches in Barron County, the churches that are around here, the churches in Rice Lake, we as Maranatha, we are known as one of the solid rock kind of where the, the main church is. If you want good biblical teaching, if you want, this is a main church. But one of the problems is we kind of get this arrogance like, yeah, we're one of the best churches in the area. Because we are, right? If you think you're like this super Christian stuff, this message is for you. Let me go to the other extreme. If you are a slacker Christian, if you are one of those who just go like, life just stinks all the time for me. My walk with Christ is up and down like a yo-yo. I'm just like, I'm always a mess. And you just feel like you can't make it. And... You sometimes hang around legalistic Christians who kind of like flaunt what they have and go, look at how nice our family is. And you're just like, God have mercy on me. And you struggle with things like sin and addictions. And you struggle and you just can't control things in your life. And you feel like the biggest slacker Christian. Please listen. You're in the right place today. Because God is a God of grace. Not just saving grace, but daily forgiveness grace. Amen? And for those of you who just don't seem to make it all the time, this is for you. So let's pray before we get into our passage. Father God, I just come before You and I confess that I have this attitude that sometimes fit both super Christian and humbly I confess I'm such a slacker Christian. Oh, if people knew my heart. And Lord, we come before You and we ask right now. We lay our heart before You and say, God, do that divine work 
Spirit of God, which only You can do. So we invite You. We say, yes, Lord, please do this work, this supernatural work, because we are so influenced by the world, so influenced by the enemy of our souls, and our flesh. Because we think we're pretty cool. Humble us today, we pray, as we look at this spectacular passage. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm excited. I'm going to do my best to cruise through this. As again, like I said last week, this, this, what we're going to look at today has one of the, been one of the most influential passages in my life personally. Here's some questions I want you to think about. What does it mean to be a leader? What does it take to become a leader that God wants you to be? What is the cost of discipleship? What is the process to be a disciple? What is the result and the effects of being a disciple of Jesus Christ? Why would someone want to be a disciple? Who are you? What do you want to be? Notice it's not what you want to do, but what you want to be. We must first look at this perception that is not just the external things of being a disciple. Look at all these great things. I've even got the Discipleship Church t-shirt on today. It's not the external things, but the internal being of a servant. Out of being comes the doing. We first must work on the inside. God often first works in us and shapes us before using us to do the great things He's planned for us. The world wants leaders. In fact, here's, some, here's a definite... I mean, leadership... Whatever business you get into, whatever realm of America you get into, it's always about climbing the ladder of success. Go to your leadership. Hey, you know, we see something, so we're going to pull you aside and uh, we're going to give you special training to be this great leader. <clears throat> in fact, in the Christian world, we have the same thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Leadership Summit. This is just a word for word of what some of the things they say. Join the greatest minds to guide the industry through the ambiguities of bringing the best knowledge and information from pioneers and leaders around the world held at one of the famous churches in America. Here's a line I want you to never forget. The world wants leaders. God wants servants. Write that down. We've even got pens for you, I think, around you. The world wants leaders. Oh, they want leaders all around you. God wants servants. In fact, if you look in this, this thing, it's called the Strong's, Strong's Book of All the Words of the Bible. Anybody have a concordance like that? It's, it's kind of an older book where you can look up every word of the Bible. If you want to find, if you're like, there's a verse that has the word the in it. What verses? You can look and they'll show you every verse that has the word the. It's a lot of them. It's interesting, in the King James, leader is only six times where servant is Hundreds and hundreds of times. Numbers chapter 12, talking about one of the great men of Scripture, Moses. Listen to this. Now Moses was very, a very humble man. 
more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. My servant Moses. It wasn't my leader. God doesn't say, hey, check out my leader. God gives him the title servant. And one of the greatest contracts, uh, contrasts of leadership is found in our passage today, Mark chapter 10. So take your Bibles, Mark chapter 10, 35 through 45. We're going to look at the spirit of servanthood, contrasted with the spirit of selfishness. Now, the mindsets, mindset of the disciples compared to the mindset of Jesus is very different. And He's teaching them. He's in the school of discipleship with them. Shaping them. Helping them understand this. And His requirements have been often seen in chapter 8, chapter 9. Now we're in chapter 10. Let's look at verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Him. Teacher. So again, they're often they're traveling with him. Jesus with them. Jesus teaching in front of groups, and we've seen this where then he'll pull his disciples aside and say, "Hey, let me give you a little insight of what's been going." Now the disciples are like, "Let's talk with Jesus." Teacher, they said, "We want you to do for us whatever we ask." Let me just pause here. There's nothing wrong with coming to the Lord and asking a request, right? We should daily be saying, God, here's what I have. I, I, I got some issues. Help me through this. But notice the words. We want. Whatever we ask. The audacity and arrogance. Then look at verse 36. The way of the Master. He's just so great. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. The same words, these are the same words that Jesus says in verse 51 in chapter 10, which we looked at last, last month to the blind man. So Jesus says, All right, wh- wh- what do you want? And they're just like, Yes! Verse 37. They replied, Oh, here it is. They've been waiting. Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left. In your glory. Because guess what? They've been traveling with Jesus. Seeing Jesus heal people. Speaking words. People get up. and just amaz- He's been seeing them work with the Pharisees who want to trick them. And he's, just, he's the Master. He gets them all the time. And they're just like, wow. And we get to be with them. Not only are James and John's part of the twelve, but they're kind of this inner circle. They get to be the closest. And they're thinking, guess what? We've been traveling with you so much. We've been seeing what you've been doing, and others have noticed that we're your disciples. Now it's time we get the recognition we deserve. Their chest kind of stick out probably, right? When you get to heaven, when everyone looks at you, oh, let them look at you, but then go, oh, and there's James and John. Those guys were great. The audacity and arrogance. Out of their selfish ambition, they want to look good and be recognized for their position. Look at how great we could be. Verse 38. Here we go. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. 
Can you drink the cup I drink of and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? See, Jesus knows the cost of what it means. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. The emblem of what? Suffering and shame. Oh, the disciples are like, we want to be right next to you. We want to be noticed as your right hand and left hand man. This is going to be about us too. We will follow you no matter what. An emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for the world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lie down. See, the disciples don't get it. And Jesus says, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with a baptism I am baptized with? Look at what they say. We can. Look at those words. Oh, we can do it. They answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with a baptism I am baptized with. He knows what's going to happen. But to sit at my right and my left is not for me to grant. Those places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. They want a position of glory, not a place of shame. They wanted a fancy crown, not a cross or a crown of thorns. They wanted to be leaders and masters, not servants. Let's look at verse 42. So these two are having a discussion with Jesus, and I'm sure the other disciples are like, what's going on? How come they always get to hang out with Jesus a little bit more than we do? And they're kind of overhearing. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. They became a little upset. Like, Part of it is like, what are you asking? And like, why didn't you include me in that? Or we should have asked that question. Jesus does. He calls them together. Take a look. He calls them together and says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Again, it's not a wicked generation. It's another wicked generation. Jesus, in His time, had the same problems with leadership as we have today. People who just they get a little power, they get a position that's kind of noble to them in their mindset, and they use it for themselves. They lord it over them. People fighting for power and position. Stepping on any who get in the way so they can get to a higher position so they can look better in the eyes of others around them. That's the way of selfishness. Now let's look at the way of the Master. Verse 43. All these rulers and leaders of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. They use power and authority for their own benefit. Not so with you. I love those words. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be 
slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give His life a ransom for many. Here is this great discipleship principle that you and I desperately need in our lives today. Jesus is calling you to be a servant. He's calling you to follow His steps. A hidden servant. Because we got people that love to be, oh, look at me, serve. Especially when it comes to the time when, when it's time to vote or something. All the politicians are out there meeting with farmers. They've never you know, used a shovel in their life. They're handing out water to the homeless person. Look at me. Vote for me because look, I'm caring for the poor. And it's all about them. But Christ wants true servants. True hidden servants. And this is the heart of leadership. Servant leadership there's nothing wrong with being called to be a leader being the one who's in charge or having a position of influence but in that we must use that not for our benefit but for the benefit of others follow the example of christ we must understand christ's example of servanthood and how to follow him because it's so tempting to go, look at how great I am. Our lives are just to be mirrors, a reflection of His goodness. The more I look at Him and focus on Him, His glory shines through me so others see the beauty of Christ. And we'll talk about that more. We'll flesh it out a little bit more next week in the week to follow. Now the way of the Master is not the spirit of selfishness, but the spirit of servanthood. So what I want to do is I want to go in an Old Testament passage. So take your Bibles and go to Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42. Can I open up in the middle? You might get to Psalms or some of the, you know, Isaiah might be there. So go to Isaiah 42. We're going to take some time looking at just this little section here. The spirit of servanthood. This is a very great passage, a messianic passage speaking of Christ and the beauty of what He is, will do, what the Messiah will do. And note, what I want to do is I want to look at the qualities and the aspects of this great person, the Messiah that's going to come. The way of the Master. Isaiah 42, we're just going to kind of, I'm going to pull out some of the parts of Isaiah 42, 1 through 5, 1 through verse 5. So take a look at this. Look at some of the qualities here and the aspects of what a servant should be like. This kind of sets it out for us. This is what we should be like also. It says this Here is my servant whom I uphold. We got the word here dependence. We must be dependent on God. A servant of God, to be a follower, to be a disciple of Christ, is not to be self-reliant. You may have a great skill set. You may have something very useful for the Lord, but don't depend on your own strength. Trust the Lord. We must depend on Him at all times. Here's my servant. Notice, it's not here's my leader. Here's my servant whom I uphold. God is the one who 
upholds us. He helps us. We must be completely dependent on God. Dependence. The next section I want to look at, my chosen one in whom I delight. Here's what's amazing, is that we are chosen by God. We have His approval. We long for approval of people. And we try things in our own selfish ways to get approval of others. The greatest approval to have is from God. When you realize your position in Christ, you realize that you're a child of God, that you belong to the King of Kings, you're an heir to the throne, all the other desires to get approval from people is nothing. We are chosen. He delights in us. And whatever God has for us to do, He is the one who chooses, who ordains that to be. You might have great ambitions to be someone very popular, important, and power, prestige, and all this stuff. Put that aside. Say, God, whatever you want, whatever you have planned for me, I will do that. Look at this little next section. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the street. This is important. Here we have humility and modesty. We should not go around crying, look how great I am. Look at my great power of position. Think about when you meet new people, like you maybe are today because you're sitting in a different place. If you had 10 minutes of conversation, what would you tell about yourself? Would you begin talking about, well, I do this and this, and I'm so great in this area, and, you know, oh, look at how great I am. This is not about you. We must live so others see Christ in us. Write that down. We must live, not so people can see all the cool things about you, we must live so others can see Christ in you. Philippians 1.21, the first part. For me to live is Christ. Humility. It's not so others can see you. We live so others can see Christ. Not us. He will not shout or cry out or raise His voice in the street. This is not just acts of service. Again, as, as we as a church think through it and try to find ways to do outreach and serve our community, I'm big on wanting to be in the background. As you know. I don't want to be the one church that's like, look at all the cool things we do. In fact, if something happens, I don't call the newspaper. And in fact, the main person I talk to is Ruth. I say, Ruth, no, I... I don't even let her know some of the things we do because it would be, oh, front line. It would be great to let them know. It would be a great article. The only time I ever did that is when we, um, the priest and I went fishing and we fed fish to the homeless. I thought, a cool way to put the Gospel message in the newspaper here. That was one thing I did. We want to do acts of service, but not so everyone can see it, cry out and go, look at us! We want to be a hidden servant and i got that like five years ago i remember i was at the county fair and there was a church that was handing out free tokens or free piece of paper to get like those um those pie shakes anybody have a pie shake at the fair they're they're really good and i'm like man how do i get in the way of them so they give me one 
But the church was giving to people of means. Pretty much every person they were giving to, they could buy themselves a pie shape. Then I remember going, what about the people who don't have any means? The carnies. And that's when we decided, let's do the massive breakfast feast for the carnival workers. No one knows about it. It's not in the newspaper. And it is wonderful, isn't it? Let's do acts of service, but do it as a servant. Humility and modesty. We'll flush that out a little bit more next week. Look at this section here. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not stuff, snuff out. Empathy. Jesus sat with the poor. He sat with the broken. He sat with the slacker Christians. Sat right next to them and helped them. Empathy. We are to care and do things for those who are hurting. The last verse in James chapter 1 says this, and this is pure religion. That should get our ears ready, right? What is the greatest thing we can do? Pure religion. It's to build big churches, have fancy worship services, dress up all nice and look great, and be super Christians. Is that what it says? No. It's to care for widows in distress. Care for those who need help. Because they have value and dignity, right? Value and dignity. Jesus cared for the poor. He sat with sinners. We must pray that we would have the eyes of Christ and see the broken around us and have compassion on them like Christ has had. Empathy. Look at this. He will not falter or be discouraged. I love that. He will not falter or be discouraged. He has courage and optimism. Courage and optimism. Here's a line. I, I, I tried to find out who is the, the originator of this line. I, 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 online, I couldn't figure out who it is. But the task ahead is never as great as the power behind you. Have you ever heard that before? Whatever God calls you to do, that task ahead of you, it might be great and daunting. The task ahead is never as great as the power behind you. God's power working through you. My confidence is not in my ability, not in my skill set I have as a, as a pastor or a law enforcement chaplain or someone in the community helping out in a variety of ways. My confidence is not in me. In fact, every time I get called to do something, whatever it is, I spend tons of time praying, okay, God, anyway, man, I, just help me. I need you. My confidence is not in me. My confidence is in the character of God. Our confidence is in the character of God, knowing that He is about to do whatever He wants through you and in you. It's not in my ability, but in God who powerfully works and does mighty things so i have a lot of courage i have a lot of optimism not because of me but because of him 
He is great. Amen? Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. This is what true greatness is about. Dependence. Being approved by God. Humility. Modesty. Empathy. Courage. Optimism. This is what it's about. But it's not just external things. These are internal things. This is the being of a servant. Dependence on Him. But there's one part I skipped over in the first verse. Go back to Isaiah 42, verse 1. I saved this for the end. Because in many ways, this to me is the most important part. I will put My Spirit on Him. And here we have anointing. Without the anointing of God, forget it, right? Without His Spirit working through us, forget it. And as Christians, we have His Spirit dwelling in us. We must, in fact, as we were singing those three songs, I'm like, I'm glad we're singing three songs, so I have more time to sit over there and just go, God, this message, this passage is powerful. I need Your anointing. Because I'm not going to get up there and just share all my thoughts. A preacher that gets up and shares all their thoughts, go find some other church, right? I want the Word of God to impact me because this sermon's for me. Because I'm prideful. I'm about building my kingdom. I act like the super-Christian. I need more humility. I need more dependence on You. And above all, I need Your anointing to do the work You've called me to do. And disciples of Jesus, we long to look like Christ. So let me end by giving you three little things to pray about in this area. And I'm excited as we just we kind of cruise through this passage, Mark chapter 10, look at Isaiah 42 here. We're going to go back to Mark chapter 10 next week and get more practical examples. But here's three quick things. Pray to have seeing eyes. Just seeing eyes. God, wherever You put me tonight, wherever You place me tonight, may I have seeing eyes. In fact, I've got something going on tonight. I'm pretty excited about 5.30. I'm going to pick up a couple boys. We're going to go do something kind of fun with law enforcement that law enforcement doesn't know because tomorrow is Law Enforcement Appreciation Day for America. We, we like to do a lot of cool things. And so tonight I'm doing something. But also, I know something's going on. And I'm going to be praying, God, give me eyes to see. I need to see as you see people because I love to see people as I see them. Based upon my upbringing. Based upon how I think people should be. Pray to have eyes. The eyes of Christ. Where are the broken? Where are the needy? And here's, I'll be frank, here's one of my problems. It's very easy for Pastor Cody to care for the poor. Care for the needy. I love that stuff. Absolutely. In fact, I can give you an understanding of how I got to be that way based upon my upbringing. I grew up in a very poor family and the school I went to, all this stuff. But the opposite of that, it's hard for me to care for those who are affluent, rich. Because sometimes I just go, oh, in my heart. 
I need to have the eyes of Christ around all people. Not just the poor, but those who have wealth. Pray that we have seeing eyes. Number two, pray to have helping hands. Where's Bob? I threw that helping hands there for you. Here's the line I, I came up with when I was in college where Wanda was happening, all the craziness, and I was praying for her with Wanda. We'd meet you know, on our campus. It was a Christian campus. We met once a week for prayer meetings. I'd always be praying for missionaries and stuff in Rwanda. And I realized one day, I was like, you could only pray so long with your hands folded until you have to open them up and do something about them. The prayers you've been doing and giving to the Lord. God, what can I do? So I remember my friend Deb and I were like, let's go to Rwanda. We called over 20, this is before the internet, so you couldn't do it. So we just, we had to find missionary agents. We called them up and said, we want to go help any way we want. And we were rejected by all 20 of them. Or are you a doctor? What skill set do you have? I'm a junior in college. Oh, thanks for calling. Click, you know, like. You can only pray so long until you have to open up your hands and do something about it. Be used by God. I'll never forget when I was in college and then in seminary, in graduate school, on the same campus there, um, we started a ministry. My friend and I started, Scott, started a ministry called Mercy Touch where we would on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, as much as we could, we'd go downtown Chicago, the North Park, and just bring stuff to the homeless people and care for the homeless. We loved it. Soon the school let us use a van. They let us use a storage unit as we stored up stuff to care for the homeless. And it became kind of one of the ministries of the campus. And, and I'll never forget, it was, it was February, or beginning of February, it was very, very cold. It was freezing cold. So we would go out there. In fact, I, I had my guitar at the time. I would tape my fingers in a certain position and just my fingers would freeze up. And we'd just sing worship songs and stuff. And we were, we'd go there. When it was that cold, we'd only be out there for like an hour. And we'd go back in the van. And we're all in there getting the van warmed up. And we're scraping the windows. And I remember one of my friends goes, well, where's Scott? He's probably caring for someone. And I remember someone goes, oh, there he is. But where's his jacket? Kids at this temperature wear jackets, right? Parents wear jackets. So here's Scott running to the van without a jacket. Gets in there and we're all quiet. Where do you think his jacket went? To a homeless person. This happened many weeks in a row. At the end of February, I get a phone call from his mom. Oh, hey, I knew his family. And, hey, how you doing? Oh, great. Hey, could you do me a favor? Can you tell Scott to quit giving away his jackets? I keep mailing him a jacket every week. And I said, I can't do that. Well, we want to see people the way Christ sees them, but we also want to use our hands. Use the resources that you have for the glory of God. And lastly, pray to have a loving heart. First, have a complete obsession and passion for God. There's many things in this world I love. But above all, it's Thou and Thou only first in my heart, right? Have a love for God. That's what we want. And that's why after we have our time to sing one last song, we're going to go get some donuts, we, I encourage you 
please just try it with us. We've got all these groups that you can go to. Yeah, fellowship. Grab and go fellowship. Go to the other building. Let's develop friendships in these adult discipleship groups. And maybe you weren't planning on doing it. Just, just do it this week. Go to one of the groups because we want as a church to help you grow in love with God more and more. Have a passion for Christ. And have a loving heart for your fellow believers and those outside the church. So let me end with this. Tell you what, all those in school, please listen to me. Your school, wherever you go, whether it's homeschool, whether it's public school, whether you don't want to go to school, please listen. You're young, and our culture is great on going, be better. You can be the next leader. And you might even get asked to be a leader, asked to go to a leadership conference, asked to climb the ladder of success. The world wants leaders. But never forget, God wants servants. The greatest title you can have is Moses, my servant. Moses could have been given amazing titles, right? But the Lord Almighty calls him servant. Humble. That's, kids, listen, that's what you should pursue. Being more like Christ. This world is not about building your kingdom, your empire, and all the different things you can put behind your name. For me to live is Christ so others can see Christ in you. Adults, the same thing, right? The way of selfishness will lead to disaster. Arrogant people, cruel, stepping on others, tearing down others just so they can look better. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. I know some of you want to be first in your seat next week because now you know what it's going to be like. Whoever wants to be the first must be slave of all. Maybe you just stand in the back and be willing to let others sit where you normally sit. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give His life a ransom for many. The Master's principle is very simple. It's not about you. It's about Him. So adults, some of you are ingrained in already your position, ingrained in how you want to live. Today is a day of surrender. Follow the way of the Master. Kids, same thing to you. Follow the way of the Master. Let's pray. Father God, we come before You and we thank You. We thank You, Jesus, that You, by Your Spirit today, works in such a way that You can awaken us to our arrogance, to our sinful ways. And God, we confess that we want to be more like You. Whatever it takes, help us 
And maybe today's the day where we say, today, help me be more of a servant. Help me live so others see You, Jesus. Help me, instead of living for myself, give me Your eyes so I can see others the way You see them. And give me hands to care. And above all, may my heart be so filled with You my love for You, Thou and Thou only, oh, You're number one. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand